Our scripture this morning is First Timothy chapter three, verses three through eight through thirteen. Sorry, eight through thirteen. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Good morning, Antioch. Good morning, Antioch. Hey, this little man. Good, good morning. Um, Before we get rolling in our text today, I want to give just a couple of updates for you on some other things. Um, Last Sunday evening, we did have a a vote to affirm James to continue as an, uh, on the elder board for a while, as long as the Lord calls him to do that, as well as for Drew Diaz to join the elder team. Both of those uh, did carry, so they are officially in those roles. Uh, and just wanted to make sure that was communicated to you since we just did that last Sunday evening. And also, um, update on the loves. Uh, Joel and... Joel, who is an, another elder in the church, and Rachel Love went in to deliver their child um, probably Friday evening, went, went in. Um, yeah, shout out any corrections to me if you know differently. Um, and they did deliver uh, Emmett James Love, uh, delivered by C-section, which is a little unexpected, but he is healthy and strong and doing great. Uh, Rachel had a rough time. Uh, there were some, some difficulties after the uh, delivery, after the C-section, did require another additional surgery uh, and some additional blood transfusions and things like that. It's been a, a bit of a rough go. Uh, she is doing better um, as of this morning, still in ICU, uh, and hoping to be able to transition from ICU to a regular uh, room maybe by tonight, and so I uh, just wanted you to know that, that we can be praying for, for this family and praying for Rachel particularly, um, but things are going well, they're getting better, uh, and um, we just want to be lifting them up in prayer. So why don't we pause as a, as a family and just pray um, for the loves. Father, thank you so much for Joel and for Rachel, for Abigail, and now for Emmett James, and just that their family is part of our family. Um, they're special people that we care about deeply. And Lord, as we think about this weekend as uh, being just a difficult weekend, uh, we pray for Rachel. We pray for her body, her health, her healing. Um, thank you for having good caregivers around her. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the great physician that you are the one from whom all healing comes. And so we come to you, Lord, and just ask you to 
to be present in a way and be helpful uh, in a way that they can experience that even this morning you would just remind and encourage them of your love and your care. Um, So, Father, we lift them up to you, lay them in your hands, and trust you uh, for your good to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you feel inclined to offer some encouragement or check in, uh, maybe texting Joel would be a good way to do that. Um, Rachel's probably not able to interact with that just yet, uh, but you can text Joel and check in with him that way and see how they're doing or give an encouragement, uh, and he would appreciate that. All right, so let's talk this morning about this passage in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. So to get started on that, just a quick question for you. What is more important in a church, leaders or servants? (laughs) People who lead or people who serve? (laughs) That's, That's probably the right answer. That's good. Um, I was curious about it, so I thought, well, where do we, you know, what do we often value more? Where, where do we put the emphasis? So I did a thing. I went down to the basement where my office is at home, and my library, my pastor's library is there, and I went through and I counted, how many books do I have about how to serve people? And I, I counted out uh, 26 books that I have on how to serve people. So I went back through and I counted how many books do I have in my library about how to lead people. What do you think the result was? Do you think I had more or less books? Way more. I, had a, I have 112 books <laughs> on how to lead people. And I thought, man, this, this is kind of silly. You know, like leadership, I mean, there's maybe some technical things about leadership, but there's such an emphasis in our faith in our culture on leadership. And, and just we kind of just assume serving will happen or something. Um, it doesn't seem as important when we measure it in certain ways like that to us. But I think about Jesus. I think about Jesus who was the ultimate leader, who came to lead us into the gospel, lead us to the Lord, lead all these things. Jesus is the head of the church, And yet, as he did it, he was serving people all the time. He didn't lead from his ivory tower. He led with serving hands in dirty situations, just real earthy situations, giving care and love. Uh, The scripture tells us in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Man, that is awesome, and I think a critical reminder as we talk about uh, leading and serving in the church, that all leading and serving is about serving. Nobody rises above serving and stops serving other people, right? Amen? Uh, Any leadership is also about serving one another. So last week, we talked about elders. Um, Put that next slide on there. I just kind of threw this thing up like as as I was thinking about 
what Paul is saying to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3. He keeps talking about like these lines of kind of God's design, Christ at the head of the church, elders. And we looked at this qualification of elders last week. And it talked about certain things that are important for leaders. Um, they ex- they uh, uh, Prayer and the word and equipping, governance are important for elders to be able to do. And then he talks about deacons in this passage today um, and what deacons do. As we looked at those things that the elders do, we saw elders. Last week's passage was on character. The character of an elder. How do we know if someone is a good, has the stuff to be an elder or an overseer in the church? Didn't really answer what does an elder do. So as a quick summary, what does an elder do? An elder focuses on the word of God and prayer is one of the things they do. Um, We see it in Acts chapter 6. Like we need to give our focus, our attention to the word of God and prayer. We see that elders also equip the saints. They have a role of like, we're going to help everybody learn how to do this ministry of teaching and serving and caring for each other. Uh, Ephesians 4.12 talks about that. Uh, Elders govern by spiritual discernment. They don't govern by what they think is common sense or govern by who's most successful in the business world or any of that stuff. It's, it's a process, they use spiritual discernment to, like God already has an opinion about this. Let's discover what God thinks and do that is kind of what elders do. They do those things as a team. And then functioning under the uh, uh, leadership of the overseers and elders are what the scripture calls deacons. Talks about it in, in this passage. Deacon, the word deacon is diakonos in Greek, and it means a servant. But, but there's a lot of words that can be used to, to mean servant in the Bible. Like the word doulos is a really common one, and it can mean servant slash slave. Like someone who is owned or who's under contract or under obligation to another person. They're serving because they have to. A deacon, on the other hand, is a little different. They're a willing servant. They're like someone waiting on tables because they want to see people eat, right? They have a willingness and a desire to serve, and that's what he's talking about here within the church, that we function as recognized, willing servants of one another, helping each other to to meet needs within the church. It's a little bit different than than that. So at Antioch here, We don't have a formal role of deacon, necessarily. We do have a formal role of elder. But but what we have here are lots of people doing ministry ministry leaders who are organizing certain areas, or they're on a ministry schedule helping with hospitality, uh, helping right over there, right now in the nursery, um, helping maybe come and clean or coming on Tuesdays to do grocery ministry, food distribution. All of these things would fit inside of, I think, what Paul's talking about when he talks about the role of deacon or a willing servant. So let's look again at this, um, 
at the origin. Where did deacons come from in the church? Let's take a look at where they started. The first deacons in the church. Do you know the story of the first deacons in the church? Back in Acts chapter 6. Let's take a quick look at it. Just a few verses, four verses long. This is in the early church. The church has just gotten started. The leaders or overseers are the guys who were Jesus' disciples. And now Jesus has left. The Holy Spirit's come. They're leading the church. And they had a problem to resolve. Listen to this in Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews among them because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, the the disciples now the apostles, they gathered all the disciples together and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Uh, We will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Interesting, the first problem or need that the church addressed in the book of Acts, the first church, was a problem of, a, a, an, of racial inequality. We had widows who had a Hebrew background, widows who had more of a Greek background, and they weren't being treated fairly. They weren't being treated the same. Some were being given precedence over the other. And they're like, no, in Christ we're all one. So they appointed a team to address a racial inequality in the church, to make sure that everyone who needed help was helped fairly. Pretty cool. And the, the elders were like, we could do it. We could do that. But if we do that, it'll take us away from our primary job, and that's to learn and teach the Word of God, to pray, to, to provide that spiritual discipling for the whole church. And so we're going to, I mean, you guys can do this really well too. Let's appoint some good people and just entrust that. That was that first deacon team, which is pretty neat. And this deacon team was was comprised of men. I'm not sure why, because we'll see in a little bit, it didn't have to be that way. Um, But they were doing that work of ministry for the church. And as we look at these... um, these qualifications here, we, we begin to see what, what Paul would expect for those who would serve as deacons to be recognized servants within the church. You know, the elders, their primary job was to understand and teach theology. The deacon's primary job was to apply theology, live that theology out, get hands and feet on what we believe in our head and hearts. And make that a reality for us in the church. So super critical role to have good people functioning as deacons within the church. It's pretty neat. So what I'm going to do is take a quick look again at this text. It's not very long. And then we'll pull it apart a little bit and see what we can learn about what's important for deacons or servants in the church. 
just to review it, he says, in the same way, in the same way like here were qualifications of elders, now in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife uh, and manage his children and household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. So what I want to do with that to walk us through this today is first to just recognize some of these things are the same as they are in the list for elders. And we looked at those last week. So let's just acknowledge what's the same. I think there, I've got them in the the white lettering. It's really the same thing in both lists when he says, like, they should be worthy of respect, sincere, not drinking a whole lot, (laughs) right? You got to come sober to do this work. (laughs) Not pursuing dishonest gain or using that role to get money or to promote your business or something like that. Worthy of respect, temperate, like clear thinking, steady thinking, faithful to his, uh, his wife, managing his household well. Those are the same things. We talked about them last week. So let's take a look for a moment at what things are different in this list for deacons than they were in the list for elders. And I flipped that for this list here. Some of the things that are different are this. I'll walk through them and then we'll take some observations about it. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. Then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Uh, Women, in the same way women, um, they shouldn't be malicious talkers. They should be trustworthy in everything. Those who served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. So a few differences. Let's look at those. The first thing I want to do is make an observation about it because in this list, he, he mentions that women have qual- like certain qualifying characteristics as well. In the list for overseers in the church, it's pretty clear that Paul is saying the overseers should be males. This is a ma- God is like, guys, step up. Step up and provide some spiritual leadership here in the church. When it comes to this role of deacon, he's like, everybody should be concerned about this. Everybody should be engaged in this. And he's, he's calling for both men and women to serve in this way. And I mean, you think about like the ministry of Jesus. He had his 12 disciples who, because he was training them to be the 12 apostles, the 12 overseers of the early church, they were all guys. But he had women around him too, like Martha, who were clearly, there were men, men and women as deacons that were serving and helping and fundraising and, and just kind of doing the operations work for Jesus so he could continue his ministry. 
In Romans 6, Paul makes reference to a specific woman named Phoebe who is a deacon in one of the churches, and he really appreciated her care. So it's really cool to see this, um, this like team approach. We all come together when we, do, uh, when we do the serving in the church to help make this happen. So as we look at the rest of these characteristics, I've, I've kind of summarized them into five things, five essential characteristics of deacons. We'll just take a quick review of these because these are all good things for all of us to aspire to and be thinking about as we look for opportunities to build up the body of Christ. The first one is the importance of, of understanding the gospel, understanding what it is, understanding how it is for me. How does the gospel apply in my heart? Deacons should be people who are saved. Now, I, I thought about this. Like, um, Paul talks about the importance that, you know, we, we get it. We understand we have a relationship with God. And I, I actually struggled a little bit with this in some sense. Because I thought, you know, in a serving role in the church, there's inside of that an evangelistic opportunity. For instance, let's say you go to work and uh, tomorrow, and you're talking to a coworker like, yeah, we meet here for Antioch, we encourage each other, do life together, but we also want to care for our community through this grocery ministry. So we set the lobby up as a little grocery store every week. And people come in and we, we help them get the food that they need. Hey, would you want to come with me and serve hungry people in this community? And just, just come do it with me and, and, and do, do grocery ministry with me. I think a lot of people would, think, would be like, that's cool. I don't know about Jesus, but I'd be interested in helping people. It could be a great evangelistic opportunity. But as a church, we wouldn't formally recognize or put someone in, in charge of that ministry if we didn't have a real high confidence that they know Jesus. They understand the gospel. They know the ultimate purpose of this. Right, So that's, I think, the difference. We can serve without being a recognized deacon who's a spiritually mature person or growing person. But we have this, like, the entrustment of it. We want to make sure that the faith is established in those people. Does that make sense? I think that's important. Um, so we're checking up on Darius while you run that ministry. We want to make sure you're walking with Jesus, dude. We're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, but, but you could bring your non-Christian friend to experience serving, and it could be a way for them to say, hey, Christianity's not so bad. Followers of Jesus, there's something going on here that I'm, I'm interested in. So that's the first one. The second one is this interesting thing Paul says in verse 10. He says, they must first be tested. And if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. What did he mean when he said they must first be tested? Exactly. <laughs> he didn't tell us what he meant, which is interesting. And it doesn't tell us really anywhere what he meant. Like, what kind of test? Is this an academic test? Is this like an, do they have to like run through, uh, you know, an obstacle course and meet a certain time? What does this mean to be tested? And so a lot, of, a lot of times churches kind of ignore that because we don't know what to do with that. 
I think what he just means in, a, in the simplest way is like, this should be a known factor that this person is reliable. This person knows Jesus. Paul said in, in Philippians, actually talking about Timothy, Philippians 2.22, he said, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul's like, we just started doing it, and I got to see his faithfulness. I got to see his humility. I got to see that he was teachable. I got to see that he was faithful. I think that's what he's talking about here. Before we appoint someone as a deacon, let's, let's give a little bit of experience together so we can see, like, yeah, they get it. They're going to do well in this role. So we should be paying attention to each other and be able to affirm, like, hey, that guy's really faithful. He's doing a great job. Maybe we can help him provide some, you know, some guidance, some coordinating on some things. He gives a third uh, characteristic for us to pay attention to, um, that we should speak well of we should speak well of people behind their backs. And he just uses this little phrase, not malicious talkers. I find it really interesting because if you've worked in a service type job, you're just standing next to someone doing a service, you just stand there and chit chat and you stand there and talk, right? I've worked in a few different kind of factories standing on the assembly line. You just stand there and talk, you just chat. And it's, you, sometimes you talk about people. Look at that guy over there. He looks like he's half asleep, you know, or whatever. You just start talking about people. And sometimes you start talking about your leaders. And it's real easy to start saying, hey, you know, I remember uh, some of the derogatory terms in the factory they used about the leaders there. Um, or I see sometimes school teachers in the school start to just say disrespectful things about the administrators or whatever. And and, and there's all kinds of places where that can become a thing. And Paul's like, not in the church. That's not helpful. Uh, we want to speak well about one another. And even if you're spending a long day doing a mundane task with somebody, let's be sure we're building one another up, not malicious talkers. And sometimes you'll get that one person. <laughs> you're serving... You're doing a cleaning day or whatever. There's that one person whose words just kind of turn that direction pretty easily. And I think it's good for us to just remember, like, malicious talk, gossip, slander, those things are two ways. Even if one person's doing all the talking, somebody else is listening. And so if, if you're guarding your tongue like we all should be so we don't burn the house down with our words... If someone else isn't being that careful, you can still be careful and guard your ears. Uh, sometimes, you, sometimes I've found it's like, it might be hard to confront someone, but I can at least say, yeah, this, this sounds like gossip. Something about this feels kind of gossipy. I don't really want to participate in that. And that's usually enough for people to go, okay, I'll, we'll change the way we're talking about this. Sometimes we need to be more direct. Um, i about a month ago, I was with someone not in Antioch, and I had to tell them, the words coming out of your mouth are sinful and abusive. I will not participate in your sin. So you can correct that 
or I walk away. They had to get to that point in the, that situation, and they received that. But we want to make sure that that doesn't get, take root and begin to cause damage in a church. God wants us to, to serve to build up his church. The fourth thing was being trustworthy. Paul says, trustworthy in everything. You know, that if you, if you say something to the best of your ability, you'll do it. You'll be there. You'll be faithful. Be consistent. Um, that kind of stuff is really helpful and a really good sign that this person can be entrusted with more. And the last one he gives, um, I'm, I call it, enjoy the benefits of serving. Which seems weird to say that's a characteristic required for someone. But Paul said, those who have served well gain an excellent standing with great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. When we're faithful and humble and we, we serve in a way that benefits other people, first, other people will appreciate that. We get it. It's a good way to gain standing in the church. Don't gain standing by saying, hey, I have leadership skills. I want to be in charge of that. Gain standing by serving. Um, Jesus said, if you want to sit in a better, a more honorable seat at a banquet, walk in and sit at the least honorable seat. And let the, let the owner of that banquet see your faithfulness and say, no, 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 don't sit down there. Come on up here. You know, show by your faithfulness what's in your heart, and, and people will acknowledge that. That's what he's talking about. He's applying Jesus' teaching by saying that you will uh, receive, gain excellent standing. And we also gain, gain a great assurance in our faith. Serving other people is a great way for our faith to grow. If I'm serving someone, I'm doing something that's not about me, it's for your benefit and your growth, and it puts me in a good position before the Lord for my faith to grow. Like, I'm nothing here. I'm nobody special. I'm here to benefit your people because you are great. And you're worth it, Lord. And God will, will strengthen our faith when we do that. As you hear these things, do you think of someone who you would go, you know, that person's a great servant. That person's faithful. Does someone come to mind where you would think, that person just like, I, so, I don't know if anybody's told them, but I appreciate what they do. Give a little bit of thought to that. And I just want to encourage you. Think about that person and, and find some way to encourage them. Just give them a thank you. Maybe send them a text or grab them today before they leave if they're here. Or send them a note um, and, and just say, you know what, thank you for your faithfulness in this area. Man, it's so meaningful to me. Uh, it might be the, the encouragement they need to continue. Um, so do that. Find someone that you can give a thanks to give a little personal shout-out to. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, to close this sermon as the worship team comes back up. We'll sing our closing song. Father, thank you so much, first of all, for Jesus. He just came and, and did this stuff. He served people. He didn't shy away from anybody. He wasn't too good for anyone. He was too good for everybody. 
but he wasn't too good for anyone in the way that he loved and served well. Lord, for sick people that that we might hesitate to grab a hold of and reach out to, he touched them and he brought hope and healing. For children that some would be annoyed with who are while they're trying to do important things, Jesus said, no, 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 let them in. Let's put them in our laps and love on them. I'm just so thankful for the servant heart of Jesus. As we follow him, help us to have that servant's heart too, to be able to just really help one another and serve one another. And Lord, I thank you for those that we would acknowledge as deacons at Antioch Church. People who coordinate ministry and just do the work to make it go well for everybody else's benefit. Thank you, Lord, for those serving in children's Sunday schools and in the nursery today. Uh, for those who, who set up tables and made coffee and, and, and cleaned up from last week's stuff and all of that, Lord, thank you. I pray that you just encourage, encourage them and to see that we're all pulling together to advance the gospel so that we can grow in it and so that other people can come to know Jesus. Lord, we want to see that happen more and more. So thank you, Lord, for Antioch Church and for all the good things you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen.